welcome back to an all new installment of the Super Metal Brothers podcast, where we are so close to the onset of putrefaction. I'm Super Metal Brother Matt. And I'm Super Metal Brother Dan. We are talking the other day to a friend of ours about uh, technical death metal, and we thought, uh, well, he gave us uh, the thing saying that there's only really one band that people should listen to, and that's Necrophagus. And here we are now reviewing this band not once, but twice. We're talking Arch Spire, Danny. Yeah, definitely, because by the time Necrophage is releasing the album, I think the Arch Spire won't be, <laughs> won't be around anymore. Well, funny enough, we believe that the album that we reviewed this year, The Lucy Collective, came out, but I did no research, and it really showed because this album came out this year from the band called Relentless Mut- Mutation, not The Lucid Collective. However, we did review that album and enjoyed it thoroughly. So uh, to hear our thoughts later on about this uh, particular CD, then stick around for uh, later in the show. But we're also talking about things that are very close to my heart, and that's guitar solos, Danny, later on. Yeah, definitely. You love your wanking, man. I mean, there's something about you using your right hand to go as fast as you can and sliding up and down that neck. You just love them. Absolutely. And I also like listening to guitarists as well, but we're going to talk about that a little bit later on. Because first up, we're going to talk the news. Speaking of the news, we are talking straight up from Obscura. Now, this is quite the Obscure reference, if you don't mind me saying. Hey, that's clever. Well done. Are they on the brink of extinction, or are they just teasing what will be another album from the classic, I guess, tech death-ish, mellow death-ish? It's really hard to say what they're doing these days, but they seem to like their metal and that's Obscura with the, uh, maybe the end they're calling it. It's hashtag the end, hashtag the final, hashtag the discoming. Yeah, very deep. Yeah, apparently it was just like a black square on their screen, but it had another link to their Facebook or Wikipedia page, whatever, some sort of page. Yeah, it was Facebook, yep. yeah. and they've got like a, don't they have a tour currently going on or they're touring, I think touring Australia soon as well. There have been rumours about the band splitting up and stuff like that, but maybe that's the whole point. Maybe it's all been manufactured for the greatest teaser of all time of the end, like what about uh, they just tease it? Like it looked like Kiss has done with his final tours and uh, John Farnham's no different. You know, it's all, it's all pretty much up there when you're a veteran because, you know, the, it's not that um, they won't not play gigs, that the mortality rate of them, you know, kind of facing the Grim Reaper every year. It's uh, the race to the finish really, isn't it? Yeah, exactly right. These guys could be like, ultra ultra like negative so every year they think this could be our last year this could be our last year and they're just trying to guess it before it actually happens i'm thinking what's going to happen is basically i'm actually going to call it that it is an album i don't think they're going to quit although i don't know what they're like as far as merchant stuff goes these days but i, I don't know something about the band makes me believe that um nah, i think they'll be around for a little bit longer they, they apparently the last album that they, they did was really really good and it went over really 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 well so there was life back in the band, at least from the fan point of view. Yeah, definitely. Right. Apparently, they just came back again in 2016. So to call it the end now, uh, it's not that long enough to call it end. We do know he's going to be coming back very, very soon. That's Marlon Manson, if you guys didn't know. Our friend who likes using, what is it? Arms from... Yeah, prosthetic arms from a horror movie. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. And not using it to, for a collector's item to show off to your friends, but just to jack off with, which, yeah. you know, as a guy who likes seeing wanking in the solos. Yeah, exactly. You're not, not guitar solo wanky, but wanking wanking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you know, it's good to hear that. Um, we kind of saw him coming out in a stretcher and stuff like that. But, you know, like you, we were talking about injuries in music before, and Foo Fighters, man, have come out from, you know, far, far worse than done tours. So could Marlon Manson do a tour where he's sitting down on the sofa screaming to his fans is that going to be his kind of thing yeah i mean we had the guy from grim reaper he had to come back from surgery with his amputated leg and he 
did a tour after that. So that's, yeah. I mean, I don't know how bad it's broken. It's broken ankle, apparently. I'm not sure how bad it is. I reckon you could do the whole ghost thing, though, like where you kind of sat behind an altar and like you don't have to see anything from the torso down and it'll be like, you can just do it like a mass, like a reading, just kind of like sitting on a throne somewhere and screaming things out and throwing confetti everywhere and getting some strippers uh, dancing some poles. I mean, I'd go to that show. Yeah, that sounds like a winner there, man. Maybe tell the promotion agent you can like be part of the... Um, yeah, well, you know, I think Super Metal Brothers, I think we've taken enough time stealing uh, news articles. Maybe we can start giving back. We have done this before in the past, but no one's taken our ideas yet. Maybe they're just too good. Maybe people are just waiting for us to kind of hit, hit the stratosphere. Nah, our lawyers are so good that they, they won't dare, man. Five Finger Death Punch. New album contains 16 killer songs. Now, the thing about this is, is that they've had problems with the label, so they can't, couldn't release it, but they promised that they've got him. Um, obviously, with the problems with the lead singer being more addicted to alcohol than I am with basically wanking, it's an interesting problem that the band has right now. They obviously want to help their bandmate get them through it, and they're releasing some CDs, but uh, you wouldn't want to throw them in the deep end. Like, if you've got anxiety, it's like, yeah, no worries. Oh, by the way, we've got this like, new album coming up. We're going to have to do like, 20,000 shows away from home. Hope that's okay with you. He's like, oh, that's fine. I got Jim Bean. I mean, I got water or something. Yeah, what, what's he going to do? Yeah, apparently this album's been finished since December last year. And, yeah. But pretty much since December last year, Ivan Moody, this lead singer, has continuously had a like, walk-off, some um, addiction problems, etc. So, yeah, you're right. He's not really ready for, I guess, an onslaught of the media and a whole uh, release cycle and tour cycle. So, yeah, his label might actually try and be look after him. We're going to wait and see what happens with that. But uh, 16 killer songs, that's a lot of songs for an album. Maybe they've got 16 songs, but generally, I mean, even for Five Finger Death Punch, where it's like three to five minute kind of songs and more punchier, you'd still want 12 at max, wouldn't you? Yeah, that's, that's a lot. Yeah, I, I don't really think they're doing like a concept album or like a two CD concept album where they need all that time. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're going down the nails path and... Making one minute oh, long songs. Oh, going to grindcore. See, where is uh, Godsmack and all that? We've covered them saying they want to go more commercial and they're prepared to lose fans and that. Maybe these guys are prepared to lose fans because they're going to go extreme. And all those people who like their sensitive, well, not really sensitive style, but you know that that rock style can, uh, I guess, they always got Kill Switch Engage or or Miley Cyrus or whatever else there is these days. These kids are listening to. Yeah, fair play. I'm talking about Judas Priest as well. They've got some real classic moments coming from one and only Andy Sneap. You'd know Andy Sneap from doing pretty much anything from Testament to Nevermore. We can stop it there because, you know, that's all you need to know about. That's before, you know, that Pete guy from Soil like ruined the band. Um, but uh, they reckon that they've got this, uh, they're pushing Rob a bit more forward and they're doing more to help, you know, uh, Judas Priest go back to their old days and kind of go a bit more raw and go a bit more experimental Bit of a jargon for them for trying to sell the album, or, or some truth to it, Danny. Yeah, that's that's probably fair. You got to talk it up because it's been you know, Juice Beats done a lot of albums. So what's really going to be completely different or new or exciting? He said that was quite funny because he was trying to tell Rob Halford how to sing certain sections or what to do certain sections, and he goes, "Well, I'm telling like Rob Halford, Rob Halford, what to do." He found that was a bit, bit weird, and he goes, "Oh, it's a bit, am I offending you?" Yeah, it's like it's like telling Michael Schumacher how to drive, but I wish someone told him how to ski, or else we wouldn't have that problem. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. <laughs> um, but that, it really is. It's like the thing is, though. It's uh, I guess the beauty of that kind of musician to kind of sit back and take this on board and take this criticism on board by one of the world-renowned producers. He knows he's heard it all, and I think that's a good sign of the band maturing and ready to kind of go into the next step of their evolution and sound to take on board someone else who's outside of the band. 
Uh, whether they do or not, I guess you know, we'll wait and see. But uh, it does sound like they're actually in this uh, for, for serious. And I think with any sneak, hearing what he's done with bands that I've mentioned before, uh, he always does great stuff. So I'm actually really looking forward to hearing that album and definitely going to review it. Yeah, no, definitely right. Juice Priest, give him credit. They've been along for a long time. Always make it fresh. Danny, I hope you uh, didn't miss Puppy Uranus because number three is dead. Long hail now the new member of Ghost, Puppy Uranus Zero. Yeah, I think they don't really get how the uh, like number system works. Yeah. <laughs> the new, and I've got to use that in quotations for anyone out there who's not seeing us in this room right now. Um, Ghosts have a new member, the singer, who was the old singer, but has a new name. Yeah, but that's how it normally works. Every time they release a new album, apparently the singer gets older, or his character gets older, or his character gets younger. I can't remember. It keeps changing on it. So maybe he gets older, but his character gets younger. Yeah, some Benjamin so, Button thing. As, as to like fall in with the uh, with the thing. I, I, you know, that's that's fine. It works for him. He's doing quite well. He's managed to kick yeah. out all his bandmates and steer a ship by himself. Yeah, I think that's it's really clever. I think his lawyer tells him to do that. It's like watching Casino and like the nearest character always has to change his like job title. Yeah, I think it's the same. I think this probably you. Emeritus? Now, now, Emeritus? Now, yeah. now your band can't see you because you're a whole new band with a whole new persona. Yeah, yeah. Like exactly you know, right. just playing your old songs. Uh, still. Everyone's kind of seeing through it to a degree, but if that's what he wants to call himself, although we did give uh, that uh, P Diddy guy a lot of shit for changing his name to Diddy to P to just being yeah, flat annoying. He, he tried to like do Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody live, but he would only do the talking parts. He wouldn't actually sing. I'm like, yeah, yeah, dick, mate. Just, oh, I never saw stop it. Stop it. I never saw it. Even with I, I can't hear covers like that because I know even the girl from Arch Enemy did a cover of Bohemian Rhapsody, but I'm just not going to listen to it because I'm like, no. That's a masterpiece. Anyone else is going to sing it is going to make it sound so bad. You know, it's like karaoke versions. You know, if I want to see someone ruin a song, I'll just go down to a karaoke bar, or you know, I'll watch um, yeah. I'll watch uh, the the Voice or something on TV. So, with that in mind, I guess that's really what I, what I say about that. We do went off topic a little bit, but <laughs> come back to it though. We'll talk about Opeth right now. Uh, Mikkel Ackerfeld's still talking about Opeth, and he reckons it should be twisted. Um, I'm thinking about what Twisted means for Opeth because seeing as they went from being a prog metal band to a metal band to now just being prog, it's a little bit interesting to hear what he means by Twisted. Yeah, I don't know. Apparently, he wants to take time off first and spend some time with his kids because he's been pretty solid since 1990. Yeah. So that's 27 years for those who've run out of fingers to count. And he said like all that touring, all that time away from home and family, I guess yeah. takes his toll. But at the same time, he's really changed his sound and for like being evil, a bit more dark and stuff. Now it's pretty much just progressive rock. So there was talks that he he was going to make the new album again with a bit more screaming and stuff. But I've also heard things like he's really damaged his voice. Apparently he struggles to scream. I'm not sure if that is true. Someone told me that. So if it is, that sucks. It, it has that bit of weight in it because like you said, he's taking time away from that. It's like, what happens if that's it? You know, a little bit of that doubt gets him put in your head, you know, like your missus came home from, um, from the gym a little bit later and all of a sudden, said, Mate, your friend has a stroke, says, oh, maybe she's cheating on you. He's like, ha, ha, ha. But then you're playing back, well, in 10 minutes, what can you get done? You're like, <laughs> in 10 minutes, you can, wow. you can rub one out in five. You can yeah. add five more for a shower. You know, that's, maybe that's what's happening. So maybe that creep of, of doubt and torture to, them, to other people have kind of made that uh, myth true. Um, yeah, okay. Yeah. You know, but then again, guys like James Hetfield have managed to blow their voice out and, and retrain themselves in, in the proper ways, you know. So I don't even if you damage his voice, there's a way of coming back from it and rescuing it and doing the right thing. So I don't think that's a problem. Um, the, the twisted thing for me is the concerning part. 
but they couldn't go any more lighter. So if they could kind of go back to what made them Opeth and... They could go lighter. They could go like Blackmore Night lighter oh. and just be like folk musicians. But That's there's no hot lighter. chick to pull them away from make, to make that make sense. You know, there's no like, you know, that uh, Beatles thing, that, that, that Yono, that, that, that variable, you know, so... Or Candace Blackmore, like Richard Blackmore. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, like, no wonder like he ran away from metal and ran to like, her pretty looking vagina because, you know, it made sense for her, you know. But then again, maybe he hated metal as well. That Rainbow album was a pile of crap when he did that with... um. The world's most boringest drummer. I don't know, drummer. Singer was Dougie White. Yeah, it wasn't too bad, I guess. Ah, yeah. Uh, what about Chuck Schuldiner, man? You know his jacket? He's uh, the poor guy passed away from cancer. R- long live uh, death, though. That's for sure. His band, that T.O., is the uh, pioneer vocalist and uh, shredder for, songwriter for it. Uh, great musician. Countless times. Daniel, how many albums did they release that uh, did really well? Your favorite being Sound of Perseverance? Yeah, definitely right. Apparently, this is his nephew. Apparently has this jacket. He's done a nice job framing. Apparently it cost him a bit to frame it. And he wants to sell it for whatever people want to pay for it. And currently it's up to about $11,000. $11,100 it is to make a bid for the jacket. Uh, maybe someone's figured out a way of taking DNA samples from maybe the armpits or something and recreating Chuck Shortinger. And I, for one, welcome the return of our Overlord and Metal. Uh, that will be interesting to hear what album he would have released coming alive. Maybe we'll get a chance to see it. Do we, do we call him Chuck here? Chuckier Shodina. <laughs> the Chuckier, the betterer. Yeah. But $11,000, I'm so afraid that basically what happened was there were legit bets for like four to 500 bucks and then, you know, trolls got on there and now they're just kind of like inflating the price a little bit like what um, bankers are doing with the GFC before they were uh, oh, oh. paid out. Now, or here when we have that, uh, was it Black Monday, whatever it was, and um, Black Friday, Saturday, the one in Melbourne, yeah. and had all those like terrible bushfires, had all these sports stars saying, oh, I'll give you like, a day's trip with us, blah, blah, blah. And all these people just doing bullshit bets and getting it to like 100000 $200,000. That's right. Yeah, yeah, and just completely man. just like trolling, which, like, you know, that's the internet. You know, it's not there to... Uh, to, to I wish they'd do the right thing, but, you know, we are dealing with 12-year-olds that, that, that claim that they have sex with our mother, but I just don't believe it. Even if you do you know, are very good at video games like Call of Duty, I don't think my mum's into guys who can, be, who can shoot me in the face from 10 yards away. Yep. That's a weird childhood. <laughs> it's been it's been a tricky. Um, Deep Purple, Danny, you love Deep Purple. Yes, we talked about their album. It was a great album. Yes, that's true. It's got a great film clip now to their great album. I haven't heard the film clip yet, seen it, but it's actually animated. It which, is, yeah, yeah. It's kind of weird. I liked it. The artistic terrain's good, but they didn't get the artist to actually animate things moving and stuff. It's like panels, it's like a lyric video, but they kind of have a little bit more going on and without lyrics. So. Uh, but it's cool. It looks cool. Like you have to go see it. It's it's purple-ish, oh, so that makes good. sense. Being purple, yeah, good context. That's clever. So it's all subtleties. subtleties yeah, it's all it's all the little things, you know. They're on a ship, which made sense as well. Uh, apart from that, mm-hmm. it was, I got a little bit bored, so I, I kind of turned it off. But if you're into that kind of stuff with purple and boats, this might be your thing. <laughs> yeah, finally, finally <laughs> something for those purple boat fans. <laughs> um, we have to leave a shout out to, uh, to the unfortunate people of the Vegas massacre. Unfortunately, there was a guy there, uh, some older dude, had 10 guns, um, did, did, did the wrong thing. And, um, you know, it was, it was at a festival and shot a bunch of people. And uh, it's even rattled so many people like Rob Flynn, for example, who doesn't want to play Davidian again. Apparently, that's what he said to the article. But if you read the whole thing, he says, well, he probably will. It's just that, you know, it's it's... Too Weird that he has a song, Davidian, where it says, let freedom ring with a shotgun blast, and the guy killed someone with an AK-47 or semi-automatic weapon, which uh, isn't, isn't the same thing, really, but maybe it is, Danny. 
Yeah, I always thought that song was about weddings. You know, shotgun weddings. Like the, the husband's like, no, just shoot me now. I don't want to marry this chick. <laughs> All right, sweet ass. Boom, freedom. Yeah. Um, oh, I just thought it would have maybe like the 4th of July. They, they like freedom. Let freedom in the yeah. shotgun. They go in their backyards. They have, you know, sex with their with their, with their their siblings. They they fire guns in the air. It's a great old time for everybody. Apart yeah. from maybe the siblings who didn't give authorized consent. But, you know, you know domestic violence is tricky. So yeah, I guess but- at the end of the day, is it... Should he be more sensitive to the culture out there in the middle, in uh, uh, America right now and not play songs that have suggestive lyrics or uh, is he just mm. being a little too sensitive with his own stuff? It is a bit tricky because apparently the song was about like a um, uh, like a cult thing. It wasn't actually. So it's it's really different. I know he, he has that freedom with shotgun blast and et cetera, but you know, in the end, if you get that angry, you shouldn't have any songs about war because war is not a nice thing. There's so many war songs. So Yeah, exactly. I, I, it's yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe it's just there to prove a point. You know, it's the way it is. Um, but he is very much, a, I think, gun control nut as well. Though. He's very much into, you know, for what I haven't seen how far he's into it, but with gun control, he can go from anywhere between making sure not um, anyone with too crazy has a rifle to no one having rifles, you know. that's that That could be a way of controlling the situation. So I guess when you're talking about, but like you said, Danny, it's creating an art. You know, it's uh, I think that seeing it, people are a little bit more, especially in the metal community, under, get more understanding and get the context of it more, rather than kind of like shifting it to to when it suits their needs and when it doesn't. Well, he, he didn't make the song because of that massacre. That's it's not right. Like he's, he's making money from a massacre. God, it's like yeah. if, if he could foresee this happening back in the day in the '90s when he did it, then maybe he should have put a bet on the the, the lotto. It would pay way better than metal does, so it would have made sense. Well, yeah, or even try to stop the shooting. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you knew this was gonna happen, Dave. Like Davidian, we, we've got we've got right. burn my eyes out. We've heard you sing it. Why didn't you stop it? We've created a time paradox. <laughs> uh, Macedon's Bill Kellia, uh, Bill from Macedon throws Gibson yeah. guitars under the bus. Now this guy goes on in this article to talk about why Gibson suck and why ESP rock. I do have some ESPs at home, so I do understand that they are. Very interesting. Even if they did steal their complete design for Alexi from Jackson's, but like we talked on this show, we are experts in stealing things and it works generally Nothing pretty well. stolen, it's all inspired. <laughs> inspired by, that's right. Exactly right. Just like Metallica were inspired by Merciful Fate or something. Yeah, it was like Havoc or something, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, Havoc, Crater I think it was. Yeah, yeah. Or if you beat Anvil, apparently they were like, everyone in that documentary said Anvil was the reason they live. Uh, and look at and look how well they did playing in front of three people in Europe, you know? Oh, speaking of Anvil, they're coming down November. So that's a good segue. Yeah, that was good. Let's go back to yeah. Mastodon now. <laughs> um, basically, he believed that the Gibson weren't interested in what he was playing as far as guitar strings and that. There was very bad communication they just never really cared about any of that stuff and working with ESP was a breath of fresh air. Now, apparently there are a few other people that have come out against Gibson as well. Um, as far as metal goes, I really see many bands talking about it. I think even Metallica left Gibson as well to go play for ESP where uh, they'll be loving that, making all the money off uh, Kurt Hammer. I think they released a new guitar like Jordan releases shoes, man, like every two or three weeks, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah, Kurt Hammer, you play this guitar. And he's like, fine. Yeah. And they would sell like bucket loads. Honestly, have you seen Kurt Hammer's guitar? They got literally, it's gotten so average with it. They must have used so many ideas that one of them has stick figures on it. And it's literally like just a bunch of like really crude designs in oh. that. And it probably sells for the way, like, you know, two or three grand. And people yeah. buy it because it's like, oh, it's Kurt Hammer's guitar. Yeah, like Steve Vai's guitar and it was just like, a Jackson Potter painting, like just people flicking paint at the yeah. guitar, and and um, Eddie Van Halen was just a bit of like lions. So. Yeah, 
Yeah, but it was Van Halen's guitar. Yeah, she's talking about Zach, talking about guitar prints. Apparently, Zach Wilde actually wanted a like a hypnotist type of design, like a swirling pattern. But his mate drew it as like a bull's eye type thing, and he just stuck with it because he had no more time to fix it. And that's and oh it became his God. guitar. I yeah. actually like the bull's idea better. I reckon it's sick. Yeah, the hypnotized thing would be interesting, but um. Yeah, I think it, the, the bullseye thing it looks more brutal where the hypnotized thing would be like, it just reminded me of like wasps or something, you know what I mean? Yeah. And the bullseye thing works with like acoustics because the hole in the middle, the sound hole, very mm. technical term. Last but not least, a puddle of mud singer Wes Gatlin is heading to jail, Danny, probably for seeing stuff like She Hates Me or, or that kind of great, you know, nah, 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 now I'm broken jail. But uh, the court date found that he had a BB gun and he's pleaded guilty to it, so he He's going to be in jail for 20 days. Yeah, he took the BB gun on a plane. But apparently this court thing had like those three or four misdemeanors here kind of did it correctly. And unfortunately, it was either pay $40,000 and get off or go to jail for 20 days. But he still has a three-year like probation or good behavior thing. So yeah, any small slip up again, it's back into the old slammer. Talk to a good old friend from Machine Ed about controlling your gun that, uh, obsession there, mate, you know. But um, I guess, you know, I would say... Uh, Maybe maybe the, maybe the judge is doing us a favor. Maybe not. Who's a puddle of mud fan out there? Um, you know that might be a bit of sadness to you, but uh, probably the first and maybe the last time it's what we covered on the Super Metal Brothers podcast. Yeah, definitely. Normally people get inspired in prison. You know they write new material. Even though it's twenty days, probably low security prisons, more like a camp. But yeah. you know he might write new stuff. All right, guys, let's head over to the podcast podcast question of the week. Podcast question of the week. This week, basically, it's just a real simple one. We just wanted to know what people's favorite guitar solos are. We've uh, got onto it because uh, this week we're going to talk about Loomis, uh, about his favorite guitar solo, and it left a field. He talked to Jeff Beck, no, known for a great guitarist, nothing of the likes of Michelangelo or, you know, um, Chris Imperatoria or, or Eugene Malmsteen. Daniel was just not like shrugging his shoulders. And why would you think you're a singer? It's okay. I still forgive you. Your metal credentials are still okay with me. Sweet as. Fans, we'll have to wait and see what happens with them. <laughs> mm. Yeah, but guitar solos are very, um, sometimes they help songs, sometimes they really don't. Like, yes. A, it's very important to have a guitarist who, as you explained to me several times, Matt, knows their theory. Uh, it literally is like playing Scrabble with like yeah. notes. It's like, yeah, I grab a handful of notes, throw them on the floor. Okay, yeah, that's, that's it's not necessarily, it's, it's a little bit like, um, I guess it's a little bit like making a cake. It's like, yeah, sure, you don't know, you have to know the ingredients or stuff. But it really helps if you did. Yeah, you know, yeah. if you want to make a chocolate cake, but then you don't know the ingredients, you know, you, you might make, an, uh, I don't know, a glass of wine or you might, you know, or, or regret your decision and, you know, become a guitarist or something. You know, that, that's the whole point, I guess. Easy chocolate cake, get a loaf of bread, cut it in half, put a block, block of chocolate in it, done. Chocolate, chocolate cake. cake, amazing. So let's just talk about a little bit before we get to the fans. Um, we're going to talk about some of the people out there, you know, the, the media, the masses, because they do all these clickbait articles where the best 100 guitar solos of all time, which is complete ludicrous. There is no way we can gauge uh, how 10 to maybe 50 seconds would change the course of history through music. You know, in the context of a song, maybe I can see this, but a guitar solo and uh, being a guitarist, I'd have failed to see the point, uh, especially with some of these ones that these... Uh, People from the media have definitely got up there, and uh, as if we know anything from the media, especially the metal media at the moment, it's uh, pretty much up to debate. But you, you can't, you've never heard every single solo, so you can never say these are the best solos of all time. No, but you can say they're your favorite, and that's what we're here to do, you know. Um, starting off there with Guitar World, Led Zeppelin, Jimmy Page, Stay Away to Heaven, um, and another place like Thought.co said the exact same thing with the 
Gatawa is saying that eruption from Eddie Van Halen was second. Um, Danny, Eddie, uh, sorry, Jimmy Page. Let's talk about his guitar playing, yeah, his soloing ability, or sometimes not so much. Yeah. What's it like, man? What do you think of uh, Jimmy Page? Man, people love, like, Led Zeppelin can do no wrong. It's resorted to, like, one of those things that, yeah, people who just, like, half follow things or half believe in metal, half listen, would just go down to Led Zeppelin. Um, I'm going to say there are two types of Led Zeppelin fans out there. The, the Led Zeppelin fans who know their commercial hits and the true Led Zeppelin fans. And I think the true Led Zeppelin fans would agree with me that Jimmy Page is either really, really good or the opposite. He can write really, really great songs and really, really great solos, but there are some times where he just misses the mark, man. Those solos don't land. Some of those songs kind of sound like repeats of others. Mm. I, think, I think Jimmy Page at his best is, is fantastic guitarist, though. But even playing live, he can be very sloppy as yeah. well, you know? And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying what it is, you know? I think sometimes seeing other bands and artists out there, Eddie Van Halen, for instance, would be another. Well, um, he's another guy. He sometimes hit and miss live as well. He's yeah. um, oh, I think it's got something to do with more with his alcoholic addiction yeah. rather than um his playing because yeah. the guy can obviously shred massive influence on a lot of players. You know, he's just one of those guys who just brought forth shredding and made it popular, made it fun and exciting before the nineties came back and squashed all that and became more emo and shotgunish. I guess. <laughs> Machine head. <laughs> Singing Nirvana, but I guess it all uh, makes sense. Okay. Enemy uh, with Sweet Child of Mine, Guns N' Roses. I don't think so, man. I think that first lick might be the reason why that song uh, does quite well. And I, it is a good, it's a fine song, not offensive, you know. Maybe they understand what a solo is. They think like a bridge is a solo. Exactly. That's, that's played by itself. That's a solo. Yeah, you yeah. and your girlfriend had a very awkward G-rated sex to it once, you know, when you lost virginity that time when you told your parents you were studying. You know, I get it. 16 years old, it happens. But more importantly, what I want to tell you is the next one we got here from the top10s.com with Comfortably Numb from David Gilmore. This one features a lot. It's one, known as probably one of the most tastiest and moving solos to many people. You know, it literally got on Hoyt Cinema. They did a one-day, one-show thing of the DVD live just in their cinemas. So for 10 bucks, you could have witnessed it. Um, and I'm guessing for one of those reasons would have been this song to hear live. Uh, you know what? I can't even remember the last time I heard the song. I don't think I've ever heard that song. Yeah, mm. and, and we should. It's like one of those things, like, you haven't heard that song? And then, like, well, you know, when you say that to people, you, you normally get 30 minutes of pretentious uh, bar talk about why yeah. your style of music is way yeah. worse. You haven't seen you Kramer vs. Kramer or some bullshit old movie? Yeah. You discover music to the Beatles while my guitar gently weeps. Now, this is far off the point. This is what I like, though. It's, like, way left the field. Um, maybe. I, I've never heard the song, to be honest. Metro.UK beat it from Michael Jackson featuring Eddie Van Halen. It's a pretty kick-ass solo. It goes for about, I don't know, 20 seconds or whatever. Got some tapping, got some nice little fills. Uh, but this is a point where I'm saying, like, how can it be the best solo of all time? It barely even happens. Like, it's gone. I, honestly, I've had bowel movements that have gone longer than this, you know? Well, um, think so. Nowhere near as impressive, though. Nowhere near as impressive or exciting. More, more um, syncopated. It, even when I, even when I have, you know, a, a whole, whole AB with ch- chili flavored flakes on it, I'm still not going to have a bad movement as powerful as that. And the last one from the, uh, from the ones we found online was the stereo gun with Chuck Berry's Johnny Be Good. Why not? I, I know the song Johnny Be Good, but um, couldn't tell you a Chuck Berry line to save my life, which makes us the best Super Metal Brothers ever, Danny. Well, that's really not metal. That's like just rock and roll, you know. But what does our fan base have to say before our Super Metal brother Dan about something that he knows a lot about, and that's guitars, obviously. J 
Jaden Clark said, never walk alone from Steve Lukather. You could say something different every day, though. That's the thing about great guitarists. They'll take a song like that and they couldn't possibly play it the same way at the same time because they're trying to evolve and try to pioneer their sound. So I guess the one that he recorded was his best, I guess. Who knows? Uh, yeah, why not? Okay. Anna was it Master of Puppets. There's a few yeah. solos in that song, isn't there? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I think oh, I know the solos are bridges. And the funny thing with that is that I remember hearing a couple of people talk about Metallica these days with Kurt Hammett struggling to remember guitar solos live. So seeing Metallica these days, it's a bit of hit miss as well. Yeah, I think it was. We saw him with Soundwave. They were a bit sloppy at times, you know? Yeah, they've always been though. Yeah, and that was the thing, even with the, with the orchestra and that, but like, who cares? Like, they wouldn't give a shit. They're entertaining the people and they're paying a lot of money for their merch. So why would they want to change their formula by taking guitar lessons or becoming tighter musicians and that? You yeah. know, that might scare the uh, audience away a little bit, you know? Or having decent sounding snare drums. You know, it's all overrated. Yeah, exactly. Like, why would go to the effort of taking the painstaking time of losing more money? And uh, yeah. But what about uh, Brad James Inglesey with uh, Wes Borland in the opening song of Limp Biscuit? Um, I did not know Wes Borland as, as a soloist, but uh, we're going to have to take your word for it because I've never heard that song. And I'll check it out, though. Uh, Angelo Ianella. Comfortably enough, Pink Floyd. So it's obviously gotten to him. I know a certain friend of mine, Daniel Suderblad, loves Pink Floyd as well. And he's actually said, have a cigar. So there you go. Two, right. two, two, two from the one boy. That's pretty good. David Gilmore is in our list here and on the internet. So mm. starting to show some signs, Danny. I think so. Getting so cause I think he's coming down doing a tour by himself, but doing Pink Floyd songs. So maybe they, they just remember. Oh, I remember that guy. Yeah, he's got a soloing. Yeah, put him down. Mm. Uh, Sam Crawford with Frank Woodley. Literally, Frank Woodley is the guy from the Woodley Brothers, is it? They're those comedians. Umbilical Brothers. Oh, Umbil- no, no, it's not them. No. They just hear Frank and Lino? Lino? Yeah. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, anyway, comedians. literally, it's a guitar standing there, and it's a solo. It's doing nothing, so it's a guitar solo. Yeah, and they're very literal. Can't get much better than that. It makes sense. Yeah. Um, and uh, Anne Kutcher with Loudness, Let It Go. Uh, the tone, the melody, the fact that Lily, her sister, stole the actual one I wanted to post. All right, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I'm going to jump to the Super Metal Brothers page in a sec as well and talk to you about some of those on there. But Danny, um, so far, talking about guitar solos, has, has uh, anything of those guys, do you, would you agree to any of that yet? Uh, for me, I can tell you my favorite guitar solo of all time. So we'll, we'll jump right to that now. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. My favorite guitar solo is, of course, in Stargazer. Oh, yeah. Robert G. Blackmore. And that's because the solo catches the tone of the song and the flow of the song so well to the point that at the end of Richie Blackmore's solo, he does this thing where he's like ascending, like this like staccato things. Da, na, yeah. na, 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 yeah. And then, and at the end of the solo, he does like a like a descending like riff, which mimics the vocals, which are the next verse, which talks about the wizard who gets to the top and then falls down. So Dew. yeah, Dew. yeah, Dew. 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 yeah. So that it just goes beautifully with that song. So for me, I mean, that's that's the complete song. That one, that, that one there cannot be touched. Everything's fantastic with it. But I reckon that solo is the best for that reason. Yeah, Richie Blackmore really gets overshadowed by the likes of Pink Floyd and, uh, Led, and Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin, you know, Beatles, all that kind of stuff. And it, it was iconic and it helped the movement so much. And not to get the recognition, maybe was the maybe because people felt his betrayal on the heavy rock and the heavy metal scene uh, joining, uh, you know, uh, Blackmore Knights. But man, he was getting laid and getting paid, I guess. So I guess he's done what he needed to in Rainbow. He's proved all his points, you know. Great albums, Long Live Rock and Roll, great album. Um, some of his even more popular stuff with uh, Straight Through, uh, Through My Eyes, is it, Danny? Yeah, yeah, Straight straight Through Yeah, I think Straight Through My Eyes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so he, no matter what he touches, apart from the very last one, he was uh, pretty decent stuff. Deep Purple, 
Smoke on the Water. That there is one of the most iconic riffs, if not the greatest riff of all time, according yeah, to magazines. It's either Rock On Magazine or, he- or Heavy Metal Magazine, or Metal Hammer, which is the same public, like the same owners. Yeah. Uh, they've got the fans to survey to a guess, and they said Smoke on the Water was the best riff of all time. We're talking now from our Super Metal Brothers page with Ben Saunders, any from Surfing with the Alien from Dred Satriani. Uh, yeah, an album that really took off, you know, it did really, really well for him. Um, he was known as like him and uh, Steve Vai bringing hard rock or, he- or rock and roll uh, to the front just with guitars, you know, no, no singing at all, just showing out and making money out of it, which I don't know how it was even possible, but these guys managed to do it, you know. G3 comes around now with uh, they, him and uh, Satriani, they pick a guitarist at random, it seems like, to uh, shred with them. Sounds like a good time for everyone. Yeah, that's cool. That's when he had here. Uh, Kaya Elliott now with Pantera Cemetery Gates uh, Dimes Man R.I.P. Forever her favourite guitarist many would see the same taken way too uh, early from us from a gun nuts you know crazy thing Try, how about that killing a person because they, he, he in his head got the band uh, separated or whatever and like why would you kill the, the member that has the only chance of returning the band back together yeah, and it was it was him and like his brother anyway in the new band. So it's just feels changed. Really. Yeah, yeah. And if you know if you just let them kind of get over it, maybe they could have gotten back together. But now, obviously, you know, that's never going to happen again. So uh, yeah, uh, that's the thing about this. So we've talked about a lot of different. And this is the thing we can't know. We have all interviewed about ten people there that we've asked. Most of them with different um, answers. And yourself with them. Even for me, I can't hear sit here and say that there is a greatest album of uh, guitar solo of all time. Um, and the simple fact that, like, like I was saying before, how do you measure it? Like, there's no words in there for people to connect with, but the sheer feeling of a good solo, the storytelling, is enough. And like you said before, with Richie Blackwell, he was a guy that was great at storytelling with um, solos. I get that Kurt Hammett is very similar. The way he does, like, solos, like One, for instance, and or Fade to Black and that, the ending to Fade to Black... It might not be technical Marvel, but he always set it up like using reference to a song and kind of going through it and making it exciting and that. So he could go through the motions and stuff like that as well. Uh, as you guys all know, though, being my favorite being Jeff Loomis, uh, one of my favorite solos to him of all time, there's actually two. The one he did for Switchblade was amazing because it just shows off his technical prowess. But um, Tomorrow turned into Yesterday, and that's not even a, um, his uh, heaviest song. It's one of his ballads. But it just shows you how great he is as a musician diverse and it's like that could be it just wipes the floor with anything guns and roses i've ever heard now i know people might in their humble opinion might disagree with me but for me jeff loomis can just adapt to all those genres and this for me is just the poignant point of him being able to storytell and also sing beautifully with the teasing some of that shred in there um yeah so it, i guess it's just a bit of this has been a bit of fun though but really it's it's almost impossible to do this list yeah, exactly. Right. And lot people I normally be biased to their favorite bands because I think my favorite band must be the best soloist. So it's, yeah, it can be very, it can be something that's more emotional based than anything. Yeah, it is. It's, a, it's an emotional connection with music. Yeah, technically wise, it's probably like if you go to like animals versus leader, animals and leaders. Those guys there, technically they're, they're off the hook and they've probably got amazing technically good abilities. Yeah, solos, but then you hear the solo because oh, yeah, I don't really like it. Cause it doesn't it's too jarring. Yeah, it'll be like me with Tech Death. It's like you know I want to love it. But you can't because you hear it and you're just like, man, I just don't get it, you know. Or you're just like, I've heard that similar feel, you know. They, they, those notes are played at that tempo. So what else can you do at that to make it sound even more faster? But I guess that's what we're going to talk about now, Danny. So moving in from our best guitars of all time, guitar solos of all time now, to Tech Death. So let's move on to our CD review of this week. 
Yeah, so as Matthew uh, kindly said at the start of the show, we are doing Archer Spheres. I think that's a Arc Spire. I think S P I R E says Spire. Okay, we'll go yeah. with that one. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Well, they're not going to correct us anyway. <laughs> yeah, we're actually going to do their new album. Yes. Not, we've already done their three-year-old album, but we're actually going to do this year's album, which is called uh, Rent, Rentless Mutation. Relentless Mutation, not the Lucid Collective, which no. was the fake 2017 release. Yeah, that was 2014. Yeah, sometimes the fours and sevens can look very similar, so I understand where Matt came from. <laughs> so we've talked about this band briefly before, so I'll just re-mention that they're formed from Vancouver, Columbia, which is in... Canada. Canada. The tentacle death metal is what you call it. It's a bit of grindcore in there as well. Yep. They actually formed in 2007 as Defenestrated, whatever. And they changed the name to Archer's Fire, Archer's Spear. Good idea. Yeah. That paid off for you. Yeah, 2009. And this is their third album. So there you go. We loved the Lucid Collective. And that's a weird thing because talking about Tech Death, they are synonymous of doing what's best to show off their technicality, but not what's best to do what's right for the song. And by that, it should make people feel something a little bit more than just, oh, wow, and make you want to clap. If a clown was juggling knives that were on fire, that was stuck in decapitated heads, which were on fire, that would be impressive for about two minutes. It starts getting a bit creepy, but yeah, yeah but then, minutes, very but then eventually you'd get bored, right? Like anything. Try hearing it over 45 minutes, man. I know Origin and all that out there are doing really well to push forward a technical marvel, a feast that would just generate hours of practice a day. Like literally, you need to either not see your loved ones or not attend work to put those hours in, right? So let's talk about uh, why this band kind of separates themselves from that mold, but still is considered a tech death band, Danny. Yeah, they've only got seven songs this album, a total length of uh, 30 minutes, so very small. Again, like the album they did before, All Killer, No Filler, that one was before. And this one, Danny, I've got to be honest, straight from the very bat, a little bit more of the same, but something a little bit different. Well, that album was, was interesting. It's more like a progressive album in the sense that each yeah. song ended and the new song began. So it was yeah. kind of like a conceptual album. I guess I didn't read the lyrics, but conceptual album. This one is more like an album album. Yeah. But to the point that they've actually introduced more like acoustic sections yeah. and try to be a bit more like gentler at times and not just go to woe. I mean, there is that. There is go to woe quite a lot and they love doing it. But at least they try to break it up this time. The combining now of elements that are outside the metal spectrum in being really, really crazy and stuff. So yeah, like you said, Danny, what you love about Archfire is still here and that some of that nonsensical, intense, uh, almost mashed together ideas that seem to be coming left to field all the time. But now they've added layers to it. They've, they've expanded, like I said, the concept feels doesn't feel like that. Even though songwriting sometimes feels a little more straightforward than what they've attempted in the past where... With the Lucy Collector, songs felt like they'd never even repeated sections, you know. But here, it feels like they return to similar things and songs, you know, like not a pop song generally, but you know, it is a sense of familiar. Um, like the, for instance, you know, the first track where they went to this jazz progressive thing, you know, and they had some track seven as well, where it's like a bit of that. Oh, that's nice, you know. It kind of contrasts well against that brutal nature, but. It actually isn't just a bunch of exercises or a bunch of that. It's just, it's, it sounds really well and it's, it's moving. It's, a, it's an emotion that isn't anger, you know? Yeah, it's true. And even like going to their guitar solos, 
You expect their guitar solos would just be like as fast as they can play. But and some of them are. There's one, I think, on track two or three, which is. Yeah, but some actually aren't. Like, yeah. they're actually a bit slower compared to the rest of the song, which, again, is good. It's, it's like you can, you can do that. There's nothing wrong. It's actually better you do that so we actually can hear things, get a bit more of a motive connection. And a lot of their solos are like neoclassical in style. They're not Definitely. Really, yeah, they're not really like technical death. They're just like very... It, it really feels like part of a songwriting. It doesn't really feel like, okay, this is a solo. It feels like this is a written... Uh, sequent event that you're going to play and every time you know the live there and they're going to do it exactly the same not miss a beat not miss a note and um, yeah the amount of concentration play for some of these solos and some of these riffs are incredible but like you said some of them are a bit singing some of them like you can kind of sing to you know and really enjoy it uh, not so much the vocalist but again he's still kind of pushing his thing forward you know how about that pig squeal thing on track 2 Danny that's awesome it goes loads like really high and drags it out that, that's, that's yeah. really cool the typewriter intro track 6 yeah. oh, this is really cool it's like that's awesome Like, yeah. I, I, what, what a simple but effect that it would just it makes you smile that's why this band you, you fall in love with this band because you're so curious and so excited to hear what they do next um, the charm of Lucy Collective, though, was the, the sinisterness of it all and the darkness of it. This here, it's almost like where they're going to take you as far as the emotion. Um, and I guess this one here, like, was, with some of those choruses, they're very much, the chords in it are very big and powerful now. It's much more heart-pulling, you know, and sad. It's actually more sad than that, whereas the other one was more sinister and evil-sounding. It, it does tease, and some of this is quite heavy as well. But, you know, there's choruses in track five and seven which and the endings and that which are much more sadder. The acoustic sections that pop in uh, from time to time. It's, uh, it's a really big blend that in seven songs, they, they say and do so much, you know. It's almost amazing why they didn't try to push it longer like that. But, you know, I guess maybe this is the perfect way to enjoy Archfire, Danny, is those 30-minute breaks. Maybe, yeah. maybe they're self-aware that they know if anyone hears this for 45 minutes, they'll just turn off. That's true, but when it comes to a concert, then you really are going to be in trouble because it, it normally gigs me like an hour to hour and a half, which for them is pretty much the two albums played from start to finish. Uh, it would actually be tricky playing the first one live and trying to play this with it because the first one, again, is a bit conceptual, so it kind of bleeds in together, but that's, that's for them to decide how they do it. Oh, yeah, exactly, and this just gives the listener now some of the familiar, but enough to engage in them that they are pushing their medium forward as well and that they're getting something new and exciting and not just getting that one awesome album again and again, you know. Um, and that's the one thing I got respect about this band. They're, they're aware enough now to kind of push their own songwriting and their own song structures in different ways, you know. Maybe twining it, pulling it back more so it's more familiar to the general public. Or maybe just go off the, the kilter and just kind of do a progression. And like you said, just a start and an end and the whole way's a journey, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that's probably true. This album a bit less. Um, I mean... Again, this all these albums like the last one, you have to hear several times because there's so many like subtle, oh. uh, like little drum fills or guitar licks played under the main song that you're like, oh, what was that? And oh, that's quite nice. So they true they they try to add a lot in there. And they, yeah. Even like and it all seems to fit. I mean, it's not that jarring. They transition well with like, the vocalist. That's a good way to transition. Or the guitar, like one guitar plays underneath and like brings everyone with it. So that they, they they do that quite well. And they're very clever. They're very clever, and I think this is the epitome of a band that can literally take all those people from the death tech death metal community and obviously have them on board but if they're not if people aren't into it this is i would very much recommend um you know people get into this now i was talking at the side of the show about my friend of mine who really rates necrophagist as they one of those bands who can get people into tech death but i think these guys are slightly more 
easier for people to transition with. Whether they're a stronger band or not, I think that's up to people to say. Technically, Wise Necrophagist were one of the innovators that made it work, but they're not going to be playing any more songs, I guess, for what we've read about them. They're not coming together anytime soon. And this is a band that I think generally people can get really behind. And to hear this album out, Danny, uh, with us enjoying Lucy Collector so much and not being scared off or being bored, uh, real testament to their song structures and their uh, music- musicianship over the whole. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it is. it's still uh, it's a quiet taste. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I mean, it, it can be very relentless at times and very jarring. And sometimes they're, well, not bad jarring, but like they don't like to stick on riffs for too long. Yeah. Or, or like just, um, yeah, build up to things. They can be very like here, then, everywhere. But It's not a mosh-friendly band, Danny, hey? It's not like uh, where you're, you're, you can go there and jump around and stuff. It's not like melodic death metal where you generally get a sense of the emotion that they're going to do the whole time or a new metal band where it's going to make you jump but nothing else you know Um, this is really a band of people who like being stimulated almost you know like people who like feeling that uh, they're getting punched but they don't know where you know it's just very exciting I think this is definitely a band though you want to like know their stuff before you see them live for that reason Uh, some bands hear a strong groove a strong or a lot of energy on stage you can just go with it or you can kind of anticipate okay this is going to be like a nice breakdown or He's repeating that, that catchy chorus. This isn't. This is like you really got to know when the parts are going to come. And I really feel like people should like kind of take their things about Tech Death and that metal side because I understand for the most part, yeah, you're probably not be- best listening to a band that's considered Tech Death because it's like, oh, I know what I'm to expect a blast beat, tremolo guitar picking, and vocals that are inaudible even if you raise the frequency by about 20 fold, you know? But this band is an exception. And I really think that people in the metal genre who like angry music but also like to be um, stimulated with good playing and uh, an awareness for songs that don't follow the, the normal uh, fold you know guys are challenging themselves to agree a new style that not many people are familiar with in that heavy genre these guys do it and this album really is for me uh, an easier album for, to get into for this band uh, whether it's as good or better than Loose Collective I'm not too sure like you said I need more way more time to uh, immerse myself in it but it's easier album, I think, for people to get into because it's, one, a little bit more straightforward with some of the riffs, a little bit more straightforward with some of the song structures, and uh, even with those acoustic sections and stuff as well, again, it's an easier transition for people to, to fall in love with this album, I think. Yeah, I agree. That's fair to say. But it's a good album. I'll buy it. Yep, definitely. And uh, with that, man, just can't wait to see these guys in the uh, top 10, which will hopefully coming at the end of the year. Where they land, though, who knows, you know? We have still listened to this album a few more times, and it's going to compete against some of the biggest baddest albums we've heard this year you know um there's been some great ones you know i'm just thinking about them right now with uh i like pyramids man i'm digging that kind of stuff like that you know the uh, obituary album was killer as well um uh, some of that swedish stuff that we listened to was yeah. really good evocation was cool man evocation were good you know but with that we're at the end of our show you know yes that's correct man and in the in the words of Arxfire, i think that's correct this time a burrow of human memory the pen the feather and the needle are alike in death and life. There you go. If that doesn't get you excited, nothing in heavy metal ever will. Nothing in life ever will. If you want to get excited by life again, check out Arcs Fire's Endless Mutation. I've been Super Metal Brother Matt. And I've been Super Metal Brother Dan. We've been the Super Metal Brothers. Thank you for listening. We'll catch you next week.